the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. It is seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday, the second morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Nine days away from the 20th anniversary of the September 11th terror attacks in the year of our Lord, 2001. And uh, I can promise you over the course of the next few days of this broadcast, um, it's going to get more and more emotional. Um, 9-11 changed my life in very profound and dramatic ways. It really, really did. My view on just about everything shifted that day, and uh, we're going to commemorate it uh, over the course of the next several days, really kind of starting next week, as Peter Kirstenau will be in for me tomorrow. But um, we're going to be counting it down until that day, and we take ourselves back in our minds to where we were, and uh, we look 20 years uh, ahead now to where we are and, uh, and see how this world has changed and how it has changed others as well. But that's coming up. Today, let's talk about more impactful and uh, more immediate issues. Coming up on the program at um, 935, we're going to talk to our friend Patrick Wood, executive director and founder of CFFS, that's Citizens for Free Speech, an organization for which I serve as the Ohio director, the state director, along with my friend Dan Ramada, who is the Ohio coordinator. And um, Patrick is going to talk to us about the significance of the white rose if you don't know the story of the white rose you will and you're going to want to at 9:35 our speech and our liberties our freedom of expression speech press religion and so forth all of those uh contained within the first amendment are under attack in this country like never before but it's not unprecedented in world history The White Rose goes back to Nazi Germany. And the White Rose goes back to some extraordinarily, and I wish I could find another adjective to describe these 
students in, in Nazi Germany. But extraordinarily, is all I can come up, come up with right now, uh, courageous young people. Um, the White Rose is going to be the new symbol of Citizens for Free Speech as we channel the courage of those who fought against uh, censorship, suppression, uh, oppression, and more. So Patrick Wood will tell us all about that at 935 and why the White Rose is the new symbol of Citizens for Free Speech, an organization that I am proud to represent and I hope you will consider joining at citizensforfreespeech.org. That's at 935, 1035. Ken Markovich will join us. We're going to talk about a patriotic event coming up here in uh, Lorain County. And at, I'm sorry, that's at 1035. Yes, and I skipped over Dr. Everett Piper at 1010. So Dr. Piper at 1010 is going to talk to us about a host of issues uh, that he is concerned about as well. So we've got three great guests today. And as I've always told you, if we have three guests in a given show, you've got to hit them where they ain't. An old baseball axiom from Wee Willie Keeler, I believe it was, hit them where they ain't. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to make your call when there ain't a guest on at that moment, <laughs> if you'll pardon the colloquial uh, language there. Uh, but hit them where they ain't. In other words, call before, between, and after those guests, and we'll get you up and on the radio at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will indeed get you here. Now, before we get started with the news of the day, let's pause for our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please stand. Face a flag if you have one nearby. If you don't, put your hand on your heart. Leftists. Democrat voters, Biden voters, uh, America haters. You can sit this one out. We know you're not standing anyway. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I want to start this morning not with the negativity of the Afghanistan withdrawal, which left hundreds of Americans behind. I'll get to that momentarily. Left hundreds of Americans and American allies behind enemy lines. Rather than with the negativity that we have been watching unfold over the course of the last two weeks, let's start with a reason to celebrate today. Women in Texas can no longer get an abortion after a heartbeat has been detected about six weeks into pregnancy after the U.S. Supreme Court declined to rule in the state's controversial law. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the law is unconstitutional. It will significantly impair women's access to the health care they need, particularly for communities of color and individuals with low incomes. The statute allows for civil lawsuits against anyone who helps a woman obtain an abortion after around six weeks before many women realize they're pregnant. The National Right to Life applauded the law, saying hopefully it will begin saving the lives of tens of thousands of Texas babies. Not hopefully. It absolutely will begin to to save the lives of babies, the most defenseless American citizens that there are. Those still in the womb, those still relying upon their mother's nourishment to survive. And this is what the law does. It recognizes that unborn child as a life, as represented by its heartbeat. Now, is that perfect? Absolutely not. It's not perfect, but it is the strongest law in favor of life. And I prefer to phrase it as it is, in favor of life rather than opposed to abortion. It's in favor of life rather than uh, than uh, uh, in favor of killing babies. Look, what we're talking about here is the recognition that human beings don't have two hearts. You understand that? 
Human beings don't have two hearts. There has never been a human being with two hearts. If there has been a human being with two, two hearts, it was a birth defect, a malformation, and probably that human being either had one removed, and I, I'm not even aware if that's ever even happened in the annals of medical history. Maybe it has. Sometimes you do see conjoined twins, so in other words, one body, two heads. Sometimes you see, uh, you know, people born with an extra finger or whatever the case might be. Some people born with, the, you know, child, children born without arms. Uh, strange birth anomalies and, and defects happen. But so the point is, human beings have one heart. That's it. So when you examine a human being and you get that human being's heartbeat, then you detect yet another heartbeat, you can now be safely assured that there is another human being present. There are two human beings. When you can detect a fetal heartbeat, that is a baby all unto itself. And that's what the U.S. Supreme Court decided. Well, technically, the Supreme Court decided on a 5-4 to four vote uh, to, to uh, not block the Texas ban. They basically decided we're not going to do anything here. We're going to let Texas do what Texas wants to do here. It's a major, major victory. It's a major milestone. Five to four vote. Now, you're probably wondering, wait a minute, five to four, Bob? I thought we had a conservative, in other words, uh, constitutionalist, originalist, six to three court, right? Because we have six justices voted by or uh, appointed by Republican presidents who are presumed to be conservative-minded and constitutional-minded. What do you mean five to four? Well, once again, Chief Justice John Roberts proves to be the biggest disappointment maybe in the history of the United States Supreme Court, siding with liberals at almost every important turn. John Roberts, the Chief Justice, sided with them again here in favor of abortion, in favor of baby killing, uh, and opposing these, this uh, very obvious pro-life measure. So by a 5-4 to four vote, the justices denied the emergency request uh, by abortion providers for an injunction uh, on the enforcement of the ban, which which took effect, effect uh, uh, yesterday. Litigation will continue, but for now, the Supreme Court has said um, if a baby if a baby's heartbeat can det- can be detected, that is a baby that has to be protected. Oh, I like that. I almost went just Johnny Cochran there. If a heartbeat can be detected, the baby must be protected. Look at that. Either Johnny Cochran or Dr. Seuss or something. But either way, it's a great it's great news. Liberal Justice Sonia Sotomayor in the dissent said the court's order is stunning. Presented with an application to enjoin a flagrantly unconstitutional law? Show me the Constitution, the, the uh, um, line in the Constitution that says women can kill their babies whenever they feel like it. Show me that. Sonia? Justice, Associate Justice Sotomayor, show me where it says that it is unconstitutional to require women to protect their children rather than kill them. Engineered to prohibit women from exercising their constitutional rights and evade judicial scrutiny, a a majority of justices have opted to bury their heads in the sand. No, a majority of justices have opted to protect life, which is the first and foremost responsibility of the United States government. To protect and preserve life. And provide for opportunities for people to live and to pursue happiness. The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's the reality of the situation. So major, major victory for uh, for babies, for life. And to that, I would just like to say, Daniel Diggins! That is, 
Outstanding news. Is the battle over? No. Could this be a step toward a reversal of Roe versus Wade sometime in the near or maybe mid to distant future? God only willing. But we will see. Now, to the Afghanistan story. This is one of the most frustrating and disgusting and despicable things that we have to say about this thus far. Amidst all the chaos, amidst the incomplete, incompetent butchery of the withdrawal of the troops from Afghanistan under Joe Biden and the weakest military leadership in memory, maybe ever, uh, we are now getting specifics about Americans who were abandoned on direct command. Let me say that again. Abandoned on direct command. John Solomon, investigative journalist, is reporting and claims to have text messages between military service members and private citizens behind Taliban lines in Afghanistan, painting a picture of stranded U.S. citizens, quote, waving passports, end quote, to no avail at soldiers who were stationed at the gates of the Hamid Karzai airport. They were at the gates waving their passports, proving they were American citizens authorized to travel and get out of Afghanistan and get to America, and their pleas were ignored. Solomon said last night on Hannity that one unnamed 82nd Airborne commander exclaimed, we are bleeping, abandoning American citizens in his fit of rage. Because Biden was not going to do that, and the military to rescue stranded Americans texted, you guys left American citizens at the gate of the Kabul airport. Let me read that again. Because Biden was not going to do that, and the military to rescue stranded Americans texted, you guys left American citizens at the gate of the Kabul airport. In other words, these are not... These are not just American citizens were hidden, buried somewhere, you know, holed up, hiding from the Taliban in Kabul, waiting for a rescue team. They made it to the airport. They were told by Joe Biden, if you make it to the airport, we'll transport you out. If you can't make it there, we can't come into Kabul and get you because we agreed to give Kabul to the Taliban. But if you can make it to the airport, we'll send, we'll, we'll fly out. These people made it. These people made it to the airport and were abandoned on direct command. You guys left American citizens at the gate of Kabul airport. Three empty jets paid for by volunteers were waiting for them. You and I talked on the phone. I told you where they were, gave you their passport images, and my email and my phone number. You left them behind, end quote, said one former Special Forces soldier in a message read last night by Hannity in his conversation with the investigative reporter John Solomon. That soldier was working with private networks to get Americans out of Afghanistan because Biden and the State Department, under Tony Blinken, either refused to help or were ineffective in doing so. Solomon said there was a scene unfolding Saturday and Sunday while the spinsters at the Pentagon and the State Department and the White House were saying any American who wants to come home is going to be able to come home. There were Americans waving their passports in Kabul, or in the, at the airport, the Karzai airport, at the gate. They got through the Taliban checkpoints. They're at the gate. They can see the planes that they're supposed to depart on. They're waving their passports in the air, screaming, we are Americans, let us in. 
and they were turned away. A colonel who is witnessing this at the scene says, we are bleeping leaving Americans behind. He could not believe it. Frontline soldiers wanted to turn the key and open the gate, but could not because of orders from the top, according to John Solomon. Let me say that again. Frontline soldiers saw Americans waving passports, screaming to be let in so they could get on a plane. They wanted to turn the key and open the gate to let them in, to let them escape the Taliban. And they were told, do not turn that key. Orders from the top. Now, I don't know about what the top sounds like to you, but it sounds to me like that is coming directly from the U.S. State Department under direct orders from the President and Commander-in-Chief. And everything that was going on, Solomon said, they have debunked what the Biden administration was telling the American people on television. Americans abandoned on direct command, as well as Afghan allies who had special uh, 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 permission. They had SIVs. These were special immigrant visas given to Afghans who had helped the United States military, helped the United States against the Taliban, and who were going to be murdered if and when the Taliban takes back over again. They have been left and abandoned by the Biden administration in addition to the Americans. A senior State Department official tells Fox News, quoting, we are haunted by choices we had to make and the people we were unable to help. That includes Afghans applying for SIVs or special immigrant visas. One official said, quoting again, I don't have an estimate for you on the number of SIVs and family members who are still there, but I would say it's the majority of them. President Biden also promised to evacuate U.S. sponsors journalists. These are Afghans who work for U.S.-funded news organizations and have been targets of the Taliban because they help Americans. Turns out hundreds of them were also left behind. A senior st- Joe Biden, the President of the United States, is a habitual, um, probably, he's probably unable to control it. He is pathological. He is an habitual pathological liar. And as if lying to the American people about this botched withdrawal was not enough, he tried to convince the president of Afghanistan to lie along with him. Two weeks after telling the American people on live TV that the Taliban will not overrun Afghanistan. Remember that speech on July 8th? The Taliban will not overrun Afghanistan. He said the likelihood of that is highly unlikely. Two weeks later, he tried to tell the Afghan president to say the same thing. The White House isn't really providing much of an explanation uh, for this call, but here's what we know about it so far. This call took place back in late July between President Biden and the then President of Afghanistan, Ashraf Ghani. According to a transcript of the call obtained by Reuters, Biden said to Ghani, I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there is a need, whether it is true or not, There is a need to project a different picture. Whether it is true or not, I need you to lie and just project a different picture. Don't tell people that the Taliban is coming. Don't tell people that the Taliban is about to take over because it's going to contradict what I said to the American people just two weeks ago. Please tell them that we're good. 
they impeached Donald Trump for a phone call made to the president of Ukraine in which no such uh, requests to lie were made. Joe Biden is requesting that the president of Afghanistan lie about the lives of American citizens, American troops, and American allies in Afghanistan. When will the impeachment begin? 925, right back after this. The free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, 928. Let me get a quick phone call in. And you knew the first call of the day was going to be from Charlie and Westlake. Charlie has made it a mission to be the first call of the day for the uh, duration this week. Hey, Charlie, go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. Thank you for taking the call again. I was just, I was going to talk about Larry Elder because it's such a, uh, a huge opportunity that we have to change the game. If, you know, if we can get this guy elected, I was reading an article in the Plain Dealer. I don't know if you saw it. It was a full page article and it talked about Jim Rokaka saying he was stunned and he's godsmacked at the fact that, that, uh, Larry Elder could become governor. And that just shows the divide. Larry Elder is not an extremist, but these Democrats think he is. And we have such a divide in this country. And, and you brought up the life issue, and that is the, probably the biggest divide we have in this country. And I am totally excited about the heartbeat passage in, in uh, Texas. And I wish in yeah. Ohio, we have a heartbeat bill here, and they're not pushing it. But we could do the same exact thing. But that divide, it's going to be there. We're always going to have a, a pro-life and a pro-choice side. But we, we have an opportunity now to get this Larry Elder elected. And I uh, just wanted to think, see what you thought about it. Well, I'll tell you what. Thank you for the call, Charlie. I don't have a ton of time to hit it right now, but I'll say this. You said that the Democrats cannot believe that Larry Elder, who they see as an extremist, could possibly be elected governor. The bottom line is anybody in California not wearing a Che Guevara T-shirt is considered to be a right-wing extremist. Larry Elder is a pragmatist. Larry Elder is a realist. Larry Elder is a populist. Larry Elder understands that the real core of the issues in this country culturally uh, uh, start in the home, start in the family, not in the halls of government and not in the halls of schools either but in the home and larry elder uh, is an extremist by that standard according to far left democrats in california thank you for the call my friend it's 9 30 news now my friend patrick wood from the citizens for free speech or rather from citizens for free speech will be joining us next two sides to every story there's the mainstream media side and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer okay it's 9 36 thank you so much for joining us on am 1420 the answer sophie scholl was a young non-violent university student appealing only to the hearts and minds of fellow citizens to return to their conscience, to abhor evil, and to reclaim free speech. It wasn't her choice to be tried in an idiotic and irrational kangaroo court, much less to be convicted and then immediately executed by guillotine. Nevertheless, she gave her life in defense of freedom and liberty. 
Sophie's last recorded words just before her execution were, How can we expect righteousness to prevail when there is hardly anyone willing to give themselves up individually to a righteous cause? Her words should rightfully haunt every American today. Those are the uh, words, and that is the voice of Patrick Wood. Uh, he is the executive director and the founder of Citizens for Free Speech, which you can find online at citizensforfreespeech.org. In a video that he presented and recorded to introduce all of us to the story of the White Rose. If you don't know about the White Rose Society, if you don't know the story of Sophie Scholl, you're going to want to read it. You're going to want to watch the rest of Patrick's video. It's all online at citizensforfreespeech.org. The White Rose is becoming the new symbol, the new face, if you will, of Citizens for Free Speech, an organization which, again, full disclosure, I proudly tell you all the time uh, that I am the National Communications Director for and the Ohio State Director of Citizens for Free Speech. Patrick Wood, our Executive Director, joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer, with more. Patrick, good morning, sir. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me on today. Well, thank you. Patrick, for introducing me and so many others, uh, I, I consider myself to be a pretty decent student of history, but I did not know the details behind the story of the White Rose until you shared a movie uh, with me and with other members of our organization um, called, entitled Sophie Scholl, The Final Days, uh, with all of us and, and really uh, opened our eyes to what happened during Nazi Germany, what courage came from very young people during uh, that horrible period of time and how it relates to us today. So thank you for introducing that uh, all of us to that. Now let's introduce the audience. Um, I don't want to just play your entire video. I want you to tell us in your own words now about why the White Rose means so much to us today. Well, this is uh, really the epitome of the thought that we should stand up and do what's right just because it's right, not because we're necessarily going to win the war or, you know, conquer the adversary single-handedly. Um, but these, this young group of students figured this out, that they knew what was right, and their conscience were seared, if you will, with the thought that unspeakable evils were happening in their society. They believed that that was not the Germany that they grew up in, and even as young people, they figured this out. They, don't, they didn't have their, their PhDs yet or anything like that. But um, they stood up for what's right and said free speech, in particular, free speech is an important value in German society, and it was prior to Hitler coming up. Uh, it was tremendously important to the culture and to the educational institutions. And they said free speech needs to be restored. And, of course, that wasn't that didn't play well with Hitler and the Gestapo, and that's why they got arrested and ultimately killed, but her uh, executed. But her uh, uh, testimony is just incredible. The, the, she didn't write personally, by the way, all of the brochures, uh, the leaflets that they passed out, but she was involved in the creation of them as they discussed what they wanted to say. But one of the paragraphs in... It just struck me like a ton of bricks. It says, who, who among us can imagine the degree of shame that will come upon us and upon our children when the veil falls from our faces and the awful crimes that infinitely exceed any human measure? 
are exposed to the light of day. And we're facing this exact same thing right now. I've heard this from countless people, Bob. What are we going to tell the next generation? What are we going to tell our children's generation, our grandchildren's generation, that we did nothing, or if we did nothing, to stop this nonsense, this absolute wave of evil that swept over the world? And here we are. You know, we're in the same boat right now that uh, that Sophie Shaw and, and her her brother student friends were in in 1942. Yeah, her brother as well as their good friend. The three of them were the were the were the three that the fo- the film uh, focused upon. Um, the film, by the way, again as I mentioned, is called Sophie Shaw: The Final Days. It's a 2005 movie, so it's relatively modern. And uh, it's a German film, so you know you'll you'll watch it in in you know play out in German as you can imagine with with American subtitles, and it's free. Uh, I'm I'm reticent to ever highlight YouTube because YouTube is a censorship factory, but YouTube does have this film available for free. You can watch it uh, on YouTube, and maybe look for it in other places if you don't want to patronize YouTube, which I would fully support. Um, but Patrick, you mentioned the leaflets, um, and let's be specific to our audience about what we're talking about here. This isn't, you know, this is 1930, uh, what, five, six, uh, somewhere before, maybe it was 39 uh, after the actual start of the, the invasion of Poland. But, um, this is during the rise of the Third Reich. This is during the rise of the Nazis, uh, and, uh, and Hitler's full power. And there was no internet to share information. There was no, you know, even opportunity to make phone calls to inspire other people. So, these students had a leaflet campaign. You want to tell a little bit more about that? Well, yeah. I mean, there was uh, there was no internet back then, and so they they simply uh, printed up these leaflets, printed on both sides, and they folded them up. They inserted them into envelopes and picked addresses out of the phone book to send the leaflets to in their local communities, actually just all around Germany. And um, they handed them out also in person on the uh, campuses of universities, like University of Berlin. So they, uh, uh, I have to say, you know, they, they this didn't go viral, right? There was no such thing as viral. Right. And they just passed these things out. And it, in that sense, this was a very small movement. Uh, it, you know, they didn't have millions of people that were exposed to what they were doing. They were just doing a little thing. You can say you could kind of say. Remember, like the moon landing. You know, this is a small step for man. <laughs> it was just a small little thing they did, but it was a huge step for mankind, in my view. And um, you know, they just stood up and did what they could do. It wasn't. It wasn't that they had this goal of you know reaching all of Germany with this message. They just said, "Look, we just need to stand up, and where we are, we need to do what we can." with our very limited resources to reach people, and they did. And they're reaching us. They're speaking out through time, through history. They're reaching us today with their, you know, relatively small campaign then. But it wasn't really just about the brochures. It's about how they broadcast, how they spoke to us down through time. Their courage is what we need to take to heart today and develop the same type of courage. Well, that, that is, yeah, that is so important, their courage, because the thing people need to understand is, you know, they couldn't just print thousands of these leaflets and then just go out on the street corner and hand, out, hand them out to everybody who walked by. If you were caught with one of these leaflets, much less proven or suspected to be, they don't have to prove anything when you're talking about, you know, the Gestapo. 
But if you were suspected of being somebody who produced and printed the leaflets, you were you were you were going to die, and you were going to you were going to die a very painful death, or you were going to have a you know a you know an imprisonment, and and Lord only knows what kinds of things done to you. So they knew they every single time they printed one of these, folded it up, put it in an envelope, and and you know went out there to try to distribute that in a, distribute them in as quiet and and you know. Um, hidden away as possible so that they didn't get caught. They knew that if they got caught, they were going to die, and they did it anyway, Patrick, and that's the inspiration here. They knew they weren't going to, as you said, go viral. They weren't going to reach hundreds of thousands of Germans and turn the tide against the Nazis. They would have very little, if any, effect whatsoever, but as you pointed out, it's a great analogy. It's a small step just to say we're doing something. We're doing whatever we can on whatever small scale as we can to stand up for what is right, and that is the freedom to speak and the freedom to you know, to 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 act as we wish, rather than be under the authoritarian thumb of you know a, a madman and his uh, and his uh, leadership. Yes, and you know their their wisdom, the collective wisdom of the small group is really amazing. Um, and these were just students, you know, uh, say ordinary students. They were university students. Uh, many of them were in medical school, one type or another. But their wisdom shined through, even in the first. The very first leaflet they produced, um, I can just imagine them sitting down in a room together kind of figuring out what are we going to say here. They all had something in their heart, I'm sure. But this is the first sentence of the very first brochure or leaflet they ever produced. They said, uh, nothing is more shameful to a civilized nation than to allow itself to be governed, and that's in quotes, by an irresponsible clique of sovereigns who have given themselves over to dark urges, and that without resisting this is what they're resisting. They saw this. I mean, this is this is a tremendously mature statement that's coming from these young people. It's like, well, okay, what's wrong with America? Are we a civilized nation? We say we are. Um, are we allow? Are we governed? Being governed by irresponsible clique of sovereigns? Yes. <laughs> you know, are they given over to dark urges? Yes. And are people resisting? Well, not enough. You know. Yeah, not enough uh, of this, which is which is the goal here, right? I mean, let's let's bring this current now. Let's let's bring this current. Everything that you just described in red from that first line of that first leaflet that these courageous German students wrote and and tried to disperse and to disseminate amongst people that they could. Bring that home now today. Why is the white rose going to be the new symbol of Citizens for Free Speech, the organization that you founded and uh, that we both represent? Tell tell us tell us the the modern significance of that. Yes, we we do of course um, promote free speech in the First Amendment of America. We are in defense of free speech at this point because it's under attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but we figure that since. The, the White Rose was all about free speech back in 1942. Here we here we going by 80 years, and we're we're facing the same battle again, the same issue again over free speech. Free speech is being crushed in America today. Everybody ought to know this by now, unless you're just absolutely blind and just don't know what's going on. Free speech is under the greatest attack in America ever. And these people that are attacking it are not going to stop until they crush our nation. We must maintain the freedom to speak our mind and to communicate with each other as a people and individuals. If we don't, we'll be right back in the same exact position that Sophie Scholl and her brother and friends were in 1942. 
And I'm glad you, you pointed that out because I, I, I don't think I took note of the date. I just knew it was during Nazi Germany, so it wasn't before the war. It was actually while the war was ongoing, 1942. She was executed in 1943, uh, Sophie Scholl was, and her brother. So um, obviously uh, this is you know right in the height of the war and the height of Hitler's power. Um, Patrick, I can already hear critics saying you cannot compare what's going on in America today to Nazi Germany. You can't compare, you know, uh, what our little trifles are with the government to what the people in Germany had to do deal with, uh, especially freedom-loving people in Germany, not those who supported the Third Reich. But you can't compare those two eras and those two situations. That's what they're going to say, and how do you respond to that? Well, you know, I just say let them say it. Uh, we are certainly, we are not Nazi Germany at this point, and mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know if we're going to exact, you know, follow in the exact same footsteps. But I'll tell you one thing that's being thrown around language-wise all over America. You see it in the media every single day. You see the word fascism come up. Uh, you see the word, um, uh, you know, corporatism come up. This is exactly the same thing they were saying back in Nazi Germany. This was the issue of that day, the sa- those same types of things. Remember, the, the Nazi Party stood for National Socialism. And it was a fascist bonding of corporate uh, of the corporate world with the government, and this is the same uh, meme that we're that we're following today. We see this everywhere we look. These public-private partnerships, if you will, where private industry is more or less taking over the function of government and calling the shots as they want to call the shots. That's one reason that free speech is under great attack right now. Is because of these this, this fascist bonding. This is not the government necessarily doing it to us, but you know our government is being influenced by these giant corporations, big tech companies like like Facebook and Twitter and Amazon, etc., and Google. And uh, these are the ones that are bringing it to us. This is exactly the same kind of thing that happened during that Nazi era. And uh, these comparisons are solid. Uh, they are. Bob's all I say. Absolutely solid. No, I agree with you. And, you know, I, I might even, I might even go a little further than you were just willing to and say it's not necessarily the government doing it, but they're being influenced by the corporations. I think it's a two-way street. I mean, I, didn't, didn't we just have, uh, a, a Democrat member of the, of the House talk about, uh, uh, um, uh, influencing Facebook and making, maybe it was Jen Psaki, I apologize, I can't remember who, but I was stunned by this about two, three weeks ago where they talked about how they are helping Facebook moderators uh, dis- uh, decide what is misinformation and what is not, and thus what to spike and to censor and to suppress and what should not. So it's not just the government being influenced by the big tech companies with respect to limiting our free speech. It is It is big tech being also somewhat influenced by the government it is an unholy partnership very similar to what you're talking about from you know from uh from nazi germany that's right and it's going to end poorly for us if we do not stop this that's that's the point this cannot go in a direction that is healthy for society period and healthy for our country it absolutely cannot it's like when you get cancer you know if you get an aggressive cancer for instance that will end in death if you do nothing uh, you know that you better go to a doctor and get some type of treatment to push back on that cancer. Otherwise, it's going to take over your body and it's going to kill you. We're in that same position right now. We know we have a terminal illness with this censorship business because it's not going to stop. It's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be mitigated at all unless American people stand up against it and say, no, you will not do this to us. We will not play the role. 
we will not allow you to crush free speech in America. Patrick Wood, the uh, founder and executive director of Citizens for Free Speech. Patrick, I found it. It was Jen Psaki on July 15th. This is the spokesperson, the press secretary for the President of the United States, admitting that the Biden administration is identifying problematic posts for Facebook to censor because they contain misinformation as the White House sees it. So this is so much bigger than just big tech or corporate America influencing government. It's government using big tech and corporate America to censor its people. Uh, that's, an, that's a staggering thing. Patrick, hang with me for just a second here. I'm going to take a short break. I'm going to let you wrap up the hour by telling people more about Citizens for Free Speech and its new symbol, the White Rose. We'll be right back. free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, I've got four minutes left here and I want to give these to Patrick Wood to um, tell everybody a little bit more about Citizens for Free Free Speech. Again, it's the organization he founded back in 2018. He's the executive director. I am uh, one of the co-leaders of the Ohio chapter, the uh, director here in the state of Ohio, and I'm happy to be so. And Patrick, there's a big meeting tonight as there is the first Thursday of every month for uh, for Citizens for Free Speech volunteers. Tell people how they can become members and volunteers and why they should. Well, they can first go and just get involved with us by putting the name on the line at citizensforfreespeech.org. Not everybody has to volunteer or will volunteer. We can't push anybody into volunteering and going deeper into local activism, but we encourage people to do that. But the first thing is get your name on the line and get, you know, stand with us, start figuring out what we're all about. And if you want to volunteer and dig deeper and take a stand in your own local community, if you volunteer, we have a number of programs that will help you to, uh, to be successful in your local community. And that includes training on how to communicate in the civic uh, arena, um, how to uh, position yourself, uh, how to build a team, for instance, to get something done in your local community, maybe a school board, maybe a city council, maybe county commissioners, whatever. And um, we have lots of collateral available for people as well to, to use to influence other people in the community. And sometimes you just need that little bit extra encouragement to start a conversation and uh, and get other people involved with the whole concept of free speech. These were unalienable rights that our the founders of our country believe were given by God, not by man. And that's why they said in the very first sentence, no, Congress shall make no law in the First Amendment. And that means keep your stinking, filthy hands off of our right to communicate. That's what free speech in the First Amendment is all all about. So people can get involved with us and go as deep as they want to go. We will stand with you, train you, help you, mentor you, encourage you uh, to get involved in the local community to be successful at pushing back on this whole this whole spectrum of attacks that we see. Yeah, and then there are. It is a wide spectrum, no question about it. It is such a worthwhile cause. I cannot encourage people enough 
to become a member, as Patrick said, at citizensforfreespeech.org. Then, if you choose to become a volunteer, we'd love to see you at the monthly meetings. They're virtual meetings, of course, because we get people from all over America involved in these meetings, and we talk about ways that you can go into your local community, whether it's here in Northeast Ohio or if it's down in Southeast Texas or anywhere else, in your communities, how you can make a difference. And by the way, Patrick, remember the leaflet campaign we just talked about with Sophie Scholl? We kind of have a modified version of that as well. We can pass out leaflets and brochures that are available on the Citizens for Free Speech website that provide information that the you know the big tech networks we were talking about before try to censor information the truth about things having to do with face masks and mandatory vaccines and other things there are brochures or leaflets available on the webpage right absolutely and this uh, and again this is a conversation starter that uh, that just helps break the ice so that you can communicate with somebody else and say look this you know, hey, let's talk about this. You know, we're, there's nobody listening to us right now. Nobody's going to censor us. Let's just put the guard down and talk about these things and figure out what we want to do in our own community. I mean, it is your community. You live there. You you work there. Your children go into school there, whatever. Uh, take control. Take charge of your own local community and re- return sanity to the public place again. It is a real, genuine service, I think, that you have provided people with Citizens for Free Speech, Patrick, and I'm happy to be a small part of. Uh, people need somebody to take the lead. That's what a Citizens for Free Speech does. It kind of starts it out, and then it allows leaders to emerge in their own communities as activists in defense of the rights, as you say, that are given to us by God, not by man. This is up to us to protect and defend them. That's what citizensforfreespeech.org is all about. Patrick Wood, Executive Director and Co-Founder, thank you very much, Patrick. I appreciate it. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful meeting for volunteers tonight, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon, sir. My pleasure, Bob. Anytime. All right. That's Patrick Wood on AM 1420. The answer will take a time out for news. We're going to come back and talk about patriotism on display this weekend as we approach the 20th anniversary. Rather, next weekend uh, is the 20th anniversary of, uh, of 9-11. And we've got events coming up locally we want to tell you about next on AM 1420. The answer. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.